following podcast has not been rated. You're listening to Fullbacks Are People Too, The Fapt, and here is your host, C.J. Newman. Hey, 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 you're listening to Fullbacks Are People Too, with me, C.J. Newman. I want to take this time to wish you all a Merry Festivus, whatever it is that you celebrate. I know that Hanukkah's over. I hope you had a great Hanukkah if you celebrate that. I want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas if you celebrate that. Happy Kwanzaa if you celebrate that. And of course, everybody celebrates this. Have a Happy New Year if I don't get a chance to see or talk to any of you guys before the holiday starts. So, this episode is going to be very, very good. I've got Chef Chad Wells coming back on the show. That's at Chef Chad Wells on Twitter. Give him a follow. He's a great guy, a culinary uh, specialist. I highly recommend him as a chef for anybody who is looking to do any sort of gigs, any restaurant that's out there that's high profile and wants to hire him. Please give him a call or shoot him a tweet at least. He's not going to give his phone number over the air. I am really looking forward to this episode because him and I are just going to talk Baltimore Ravens football. Uh, As you guys know, the purpose of this show originally was just to talk to fans and get a gauge for the fan base. So this week, we're going to hit home with one of my buddies, and we're going to talk Baltimore Ravens football, especially after a really good game on Sunday, or Saturday, I should say, where the Baltimore Ravens and the Los Angeles Chargers went at it, and the Baltimore Ravens were successful. So without much further ado, I would like to bring this opportunity to bring Chad Wells onto the show. And welcome back to the Fab, ladies and gentlemen. This week I have, by popular demand, a uh, man who has been on my show before and who is one of my better co-hosts in life. So he's going to be a guest this week. And I've got at Chef Chad Wells on Twitter handle. It's uh, Chad uh, Chad Wells, for those of you who don't know him, he's a uh, gourmet chef and he's a fantastic chef and he's uh, one of my good friends. And this week he's going to come in. We're going to talk Baltimore Ravens. Chef, how the hell are you? Good, man. Good to be back. Good to slow down. It's nice to be uh, getting a little bit of time to relax on Christmas Eve day and get to talk some Baltimore Ravens. I'm glad to have you, man. So uh, has Santa come around yet? Has he done everything that he needed to yet? Or is Santa still oh, yeah. looking? Uh, he's definitely hit my bank account. That's for sure. So he's uh, he's came through and everybody's got the stuff they need. And we're just ready to get into tomorrow and have some good times with the family, some good food. And uh, obviously the kids want their presence. Yeah, man. Uh, congratulations this year, by the way, on uh, the the birth of your second child. For those of you that don't know, my, my buddy Chad has had his daughter not too long ago. And uh, it looks like Santa's going to be uh, paying doubly out of his pocket this year. Yeah, it sure feels that way. All right, Chef, let's uh, let's cut the bullshit. Let's get right into this. Let's talk about the AFC North, man. The AFC North had a hell of a wild weekend. Impressive win by the Ravens on Saturday night against the L.A. Chargers. The finish was just something we never expected. So um, how do you feel about the outcome of the game? How are you feeling moving forward? And how are you feeling about how the defense, the offense, hold it all together? Well, I think I think like I said before going in the game, I know you and I had talked and you said that you picked the Ravens to win by three, I think. And I said, I think the Ravens are going to lose by three. So obviously the outcome is one that I really love and I know you love, too. But my 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 concerns going into it were that 
the Ravens have struggled all season to cover the middle of the field, especially CJ Mosley dealing with uh, tight ends and coverage and pass catching running backs and the chargers. I thought weapon X against the Ravens was going to be Melvin Gordon, who Oofa, is unbelievable was he supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. He's unbelievable. A pass catching back. One of the best in the league, uh, arguably the best in the league right now. Um, so having him come back and the chargers kind of being at full strength, uh, I think they were without Eckler, but um you know, they, they were still kind of full strength. I thought that we were really going to struggle in that situation I, with Melvin Gordon being the key. I, I thought it would be a very close game, but I didn't think the Ravens would be able to come out on top, but thankfully they did. And not only did they do it, they did it in dominating fashion. I think that not only, not only was the defense doing way more than we've seen all season. I mean, they absolutely harassed Phillip rivers. Um, we took their undersized defense and at least straight up, we just made him our pitch. It was the way we ran that ball. Uh, Lamar looks like he's made slight improvements with throwing the ball. He had a really, really nice touchdown pass to uh, Mark Andrews, the third round draft pick tight end. Um, I think that they, they've definitely, uh, shown what they can do and they're a team to be afraid of. And that game was kind of a statement for them uh, to do so. So tell me, who do you think here is the Ed Dixon and who do you think is the Dennis Pitt out of the two tight ends that we got this year? For those of you that don't know, out of the uh, first and the third round, we got Mark Andrews in the third round and then we got Hayden Hurst in the first round. So which do you think is the Dennis and which do you think is the Ed? I, I think it's it's tough to, tough to call. I, I hate to insult a first round draft pick and call him Ed Dixon. Um, but it's, it kind of feels that way. Uh, he's, he's definitely, in my opinion, I don't know if he's underachieved because he didn't have a time to build a connection with the quarterbacks or just that they're just not using him. I'm not, I'm, I can't be certain. I know an injury started his season, which is very, uh, Dennis Pitta like, I guess you would say, but, uh, an injury started his season. So I, I don't really know what the kid has, but it certainly appears that Mark Andrews is definitely the weapon out of the two and seems to be, was even a top choice for Flacco as well before he went out. Yeah. Mark Andrews has definitely shown his versatility on the field. And I'm actually very impressed with how he is able to leap people, leap defenders. And I think that's rubbing off on other people too. I don't know if you noticed over the weekend, but during our game, uh, we had, uh, the other tight end, Nick Boyle, just do an impressive leap. So the leaps have been coming out of the tight ends recently. Yeah. And I think also Nick Boyle, what's very interesting with Nick Boyle is I, I'm, I'm, I think he might be the worst tight end on the team. And I still think that our tight end group is very, very good. Um, it, it's interesting to me every week to kind of see what they do. But the one consistent factor on the tight end play has been Mark Andrews. And I do think with Mark Andrews, what's really, really cool is he has kind of quietly become the best downfield threat on the team. I don't know if you've noticed that. And that's uh, not really normal for a tight end. But he's he's the guy who seems like he can get himself open. And if he can't get himself open, he'll fight and get the ball um, down the field. And and he was doing that with Flacco as well, but even more so with Jackson, he seems to be getting more targets than a lot of the wide receivers are. It just seems like everybody, both the defense and the offense are clicking better now that they know that the offense has changed as far as the scheme is concerned. 
Well, I think that this offense has kept Marty Morningwig in check. And let's let's be real here. When Marty Morningwig had his guy and Joe Flacco, look what was happening. We were throwing the ball 52 times. We couldn't keep the defense off the field. Um, you know, the offense could not sustain a drive. It was just pass, 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 pass. And they were only averaging, I believe, somewhere in the three yards per carry range. And now that's up in the fives since Lamar Jackson came became involved. I mean, now, you know, with Joe Flacco, you, you essentially only had to defend a uh, 10 guys. And now, now with Lamar Jackson on the field, you defend 11 all the time because the, the kid is su- such a dynamic threat that, you know, any quarterback that can make it in the NFL, if a team has to stack the box to try to attack Lamar Jackson, he will, he will complete passes. And, you know, that obviously that's not going to be his forte, but I think that that can be, I think his, his lack of passing right now and his lack of accuracy could easily be disguised by all these big plays that this kid can make. And, you know, he's definitely going to keep a defense honest at all times because you have to watch him. I think that we're seeing something that's really, really exciting. And I think that right now, uh, I think Greg Roman has a lot to do with it. I, I don't think that this is has much to do with Marty Morningwig. Um, I would still like to see him gone next year. I don't think he's the guy who's going to bring Lamar to the next level. But CJ, I know you remember that I was screaming at how badly I wanted Lamar Jackson on this team. And it wasn't for, for raw skill. I thought we were going to take him in the first round. I was surprised with Hayden Hurst. I was even more surprised that they moved back up and got him. But I think what he brings to the table is something that we have not seen in Baltimore since the Super Bowl run. And that is, that is an, an unbridled will to win. This kid will win at any cost and he will do anything he can to make a play. And will that jeopardize his health? Probably. But you know what? I don't think he cares about any of that right now. He wants to win. And that's what, and that's what we want. That's what we ultimately want as fans too. I tell you, I, I actually wanted two picks out of uh, the first round, not the two that we got, but um, actually I did want Lamar. I, I did. I do remember saying that I wanted DJ Moore out of Maryland, of course, just watching him and seeing how athletic he was. I also wanted Calvin Ridley. I was definitely not shocked, but I also was indifferent, I would say, about Hayden Hurst. I'd say that it was a good pick. It was a safe pick, but um, I remember telling you, don't go to bed yet because I knew we were trading back into the first round. Oh yeah. And I, and I remember when we were talking about that, all the times that we kept moving back, I, we, we, both of us kept saying they're, they're moving up for a quarterback. They're moving up the way they did it though, was a little bit surprising to me. I thought that they were going to amass all these picks and I thought they were going to take a quarterback first. And I thought they were going to move in and try to take uh, one of the receivers that were still on the board. And it, and it was kind of shocking to me that they moved, they kept moving back and moving back and moving back. And they took tight, they took uh tight end Hayden Hurst. And I believe at the time, DJ Moore was still on the board. Um, uh, no, he had just got taken. Or he had by just, the, he uh, just got taken by the Panthers, and it was uh, Ridley was still up there because I remember uh, it, it, the whole thing was kind of shocking to me with those two receivers because we knew we needed one. But I think looking back on it, I, I don't think it would have made a whole lot of sense. I mean, let, let's let's think about ourselves in the from the receiver standpoint. Where where would either one of those guys be right now if they were with the Ravens? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. um, Any receiver, honestly, that's drafted, where would they be? We got to face facts. We are not good at developing wide receivers here in Maryland. 
No. Uh, and, and honestly, it seems like we've kind of fallen off the running back train too, because we used to churn out running backs. And now it, it seems like, I don't know if it's the talent scouting has not been what it was, or just that our O-line has been horrible. But, um, you know, I, I feel like ever since Marty Morningwig or even Tressman took this team over before him, I feel like our running game has just been God awful. And, you know, we're a team that historically, you know, the, the Ravens that would attracts everybody to them, especially people here in Baltimore is they're just like our city, man. They have an attitude. They've got, you know, they're, they're tough They're They don't win pretty. Nothing about them is pretty. They're scrappy. Um, you know, they win with defense and they impose their will by running the ball. And, uh, they've definitely lost their way in that. And we have that swagger back hard right now, maybe more than I've ever seen with this team. <laughs> It's definitely appeared and it's been very relevant in the past uh, five weeks. I'm very impressed with how we've been able to run the ball. And even with somebody uh, that nobody even heard of before, Gus Bradley, I was talking about him in the preseason, calling him Gus the bus. Uh, Yeah, I'm sorry, Gus Edwards. I've been calling him Gus the bus ever since the preseason. So um, I I don't understand why uh, people weren't getting on him before he came onto the main roster. I thought he was better than Alex Collins in the preseason. And Alex Collins really didn't play much in the preseason because of injury. So uh, we've just been pretty plagued as far as injury at running back is concerned. Yeah. Injury and stupidity. I mean, you look at Kenneth Dixon, he's hurt and suspended all the time and he's coming back. And, you know, I I've said, I've said that I don't know about him either way because he's always hurt or suspended and he's came in and he's proven that he's, he's a dynamic running back too. Um, he's probably the best a lot. Yeah, he's probably the best uh, pass catcher in the bunch, too. Um, You know, but I I prefer the downhill running. And it seems like that's what our O-line strength is, is this this just nasty run blocking. And uh, they're doing a hell of a job of it now, um, which, you know, they couldn't do this with Flacco. They just could not do this. And I mean, Lamar has made the entire team better, especially the defense, you know, with Flacco throwing the ball 50 some odd times a game and the defense can't get off the field. Um, you know, we're not seeing that now we're seeing what our defense should have been because this def- this is a defense for several years. That's had so much talent and so much depth. And, you know, we all know what Dean P's brought to the table, which was basically nothing. But now you, you kind of look back at it and you say, all right, you know, why are they, why are we falling apart in the fourth quarter of every single game? And when you go look at the time of possession and see the Ravens have lost that battle up until week 10 of this week, every single week, now you look at it and see the difference. This is what our defense can do. And that's, I, we have a championship defense right now. Well, I, I firmly believe the Ravens have a championship defense right now. We get past the Browns. I think a lot of people are not going to be too thrilled to see uh, Baltimore coming into their stadium or even want to come to Baltimore. I concur with that 100%. Um, the only thing I really have against this team right now is our safety position. The, the two safeties that we have, I believe uh, one is past his prime, and he somehow made the Pro Bowl again this year, and that and Eric Weddle. Uh, the other safety that we have was pretty good this weekend, I have to tell you, but he did give yeah, up the— Jefferson the, was a beast. The only thing he uh, did wrong was he gave up that touchdown. I was very pissed off at him in that game. But uh, other than you, that, he's been stuffing the line. He's been pretty good in the box, I can tell you that I much. I think there's a very— very good comparison that could be made to these two safeties right now. 2012, Ed Reed, Bernard Pollard. It is the same situation. You have a past his prime safety who was very beyond very good in his day and Eric Weddle and Eric Weddle at the same time, he's still a threat to make a play at any moment. The problem is, is, you know, father time is, is kind of holding them up from making more of those. And then you have Tony Jefferson who can, 
who can knock your head off with a hit at any time. He's very good up on the line, very good at rush at blitzing, rushing the passer and very good against the run, but he can't cover anybody. And that's the exact same situation that we had is, you know, I think that the combo of Ed Reed past his prime and Bernard Pollard was better than what we have right now, because Bernard Pollard was a type of player that when he hit you one time, you didn't go in his direction ever again. I don't think Tony Jefferson's at that level, but Tony Jefferson is definitely a guy who uh, he'll punch you in the mouth all the time. But when it comes down to coverage, and this is why I feel like they struggle so much with these running backs and tight ends, because they move Jefferson up. I'm targeting him all day. Uh, you know, anytime you can, if they put him in one-on-one, it's a disaster. He's definitely good at the run stuff. I can tell you that much. Just watching him going up against Melvin Gordon over the weekend was just something to watch. He would stuff the run, not only stuff the run, but get it for negative yardage. It was pretty impressive. Yep. But um, if you ask him to cover, he can't cover a cat turd in a litter box. It's it's pretty awful. No, but, it, um, it almost makes it almost makes me think that. If not for his insane cap hit, because his cap hit is entirely too big to, I think for us to keep next year, um, I would say that we'd be better off <coughs> getting rid of Weddle and trying to move Jimmy Smith to that safety position. I tell you what I think is going to happen is uh, we're going to get rid of at least one of the two safeties next year. It's going to be very cap friendly for us next year. But uh, Chuck Clark has been doing pretty well in place yes. of Tony Jefferson. So I think that we're going to see Chuck Clark on the assumption that for those of you that don't know, he was a seventh round pick, maybe a sixth round pick. But uh, nobody expected him to even make the team. And he's been pretty dynamic for this team ever since any chance he's gotten to get on the field. Absolutely. I agree. hundred percent. And I think that I think a lot of the team's going to look a lot different next year anyway. And I think that even if, you know, even a deep playoff run is not going to change that. I think it's the type of the type of thing to where this team really needs the opportunity to rebuild. They really need a season with some cap relief and, you know, letting go of Flacco. I mean, I'm not even opposed to them. And I think that they will. I think Suggs is gone. I think Yonda is likely gone. Um, you know, a lot of these players, they get rid of them. They, they have the opportunity to have upwards of 60 million dollars in cap space next year, which is absolutely huge huge for a team that has a, a quarterback that they're trying to figure out if he's the franchise guy. Um, I think it's absolutely huge. And, you know, I think it would be really, really good to see what this, uh, this quarterback could do with some talent built for him, because I, I don't even think there really is much talent on the offensive side of the ball right now. Um, and I would really, really love to see what he could do with some weapons around him that are catered towards his strengths. It's going to be really hard to retain John Brown after this season, uh, even though he's fallen off. So what do you think about John Brown now that he's on the Lamar Jackson offense? See ya. <laughs> How about what I mean, you I, in, all, in all reality, like these, these guys, I think of all the receivers of Crabtree, Brown and Sneed and more. I'm keeping Chris Moore and I'm keeping Willie Sneed because those are the two that seem that seem to have the best rapport with Jackson. And you know, these Crabtree needs to Crabtree's horrible. He can't catch for shit. He drops everything. Um, you know, I'll even go as far in that in that Chargers game. Two things. That score was not as close as it looked. The only reason that the Chargers scored a touchdown, period, was because of that fumble giving them good field position. And B, the only reason the Ravens score was not much higher was because of two very bad drops from Michael Crabtree again. Because all season long, the guy drops passes in the end zone that are perfect passes right to his chest that are not defended. And let's face facts. That fumble was very fortunate in the end for us. Yes, it was. But Peanut, man, did his thing. He's unsung hero of that game. 
Yeah, Mr. W- is it Wansuar or I, I think it's Anwas- Anwasu. Wansu, yeah. I never I hear everybody saying it different ways and I never heard him actually correct anybody, so it's kinda hard to tell. I just call him Peanut and say fuck it. Yeah, but, um, me too. He was definitely an unsung hero over the weekend. He he had a couple of tackles for a loss. The guy was able to get some sacks. Uh, Mosley was out there just looking like a pedestrian, honestly. And I, as I was looking he's at one the, that's going to go, he's yeah. going to be gone next year. I'm not sure about that. He's he's got enough in uh, in escrow for him in order for us to keep him, to be honest with you. But I'm not sure it's going to come down to the cap dollars. We're going to have a Kenny lot of room Young, to spend. Kenny Young can replace him. So do you think he's the Bart Scott of the team right now? I I, I think that uh, they're going to have some tough decisions because if, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Judon is a free agent. Uh, don't think he is. I think we got no, him for no, another he's, year. We have, we have Judon one more year. Zadarius Smith is a free agent. Yeah, and Sizzle's a free agent after this year. Sizzle is a free agent. Um, Terrell Suggs is a free agent. We have... Um, uh, uh, what we're just fucking talking about. CJ Mosley is a free agent. Um, I think those are very key people on defense. Suggs is done. He's done. And and I, I wish with everything in me that they could just convince him to retire because I don't want to see him do what Ed Reed did. That's exactly what I'm hoping from, from team know. to team sucking. Um, you know, and right now they, they, they put Suggs in there and there's times where he's a liability. They keep him fresh. He's still dominant when he needs to be getting to the passer. But they, you know, there's a bunch of people on this team also that have underachieved that they just need to let, let walk anyway. And I don't know if it would help us or not, but, um, you know, Tim Williams is terrible. He's not worth a shit. He was a one trick pony to begin with. And he's not, he's not producing anything. And in the preseason, he looked like he was going to be able to be a stud and he comes in the regular season. He's just not worth it. You know? So I don't know. I, I think on defense, the defensive side of the ball, I think a lot of the people that are going, you know, I would love to keep Zadarius Smith. Um, he's, he's one that I think has, has done a lot for the team, but I think at the same time, I think that he's kind of the luxury guy that they're not going to be able to afford to keep if they, they want to have, I, I really think that they need to put some money and effort into the offense this year. Just going over some of the key guys that are going to become free agents this year. It looks like we got uh, Sizzles at the top of the list, then John Brown, uh, CJ Mosley, gone, RG3. Keep him. I would agree with that. Max Williams. I would keep him too. If you could sign him at a decent rate. Yeah, if he's not he's not going to command a huge contract, but I would keep him because he's a very good blocking tight end. I if I were to if I were to let a tight end go, it's going to be Nick Boyle. And for some reason, he's not on the free agent list. I thought, oh, yeah, he is. He's down towards the yeah, bottom. I apologize. Um, Brett Urban. Then we've got uh, Ty Montgomery. I think Ty Urban, Urban I think Brett Urban might get paid, but his uh, injury history might end up giving him, letting him stay for a, a bargain with us. Yeah, I think, honestly, he's going to get paid by somebody else. I it, do too. it feels like another Buccaneers situation with uh, Ryan Jensen. Yeah, he's just the, the best guy at that position that's going to get paid. And then it's a bunch of nobody's really beyond here besides Patrick, uh, Peanut, Wansar, whatever his keep name him. is. I they definitely agree with that. Him. But he's the free agent at the same time as CJ Mosley, and we're going to have some really hard decisions to make as far as that is concerned. I, I, I think CJ Mosley is a very good player. I don't think CJ Mosley 
just like Eric Weddle, he's not a, shouldn't be in a Pro Bowl. He's not doing anything to put himself there. Um, I think that he's very good against the run. He's clearly an every down guy who understands the defense. I will say that on the games that CJ Mosley was out when they started giving Weddle the calls for the defense, the defense looked better. Um, I think that when it comes to playing side to side in that middle linebacker position, Kenny Young, when he's been out there, has shown that he's better than him at that, especially in coverage situations. So I think it all is going to boil down to money with him. I don't think he's a player that they want to. I don't think he's a building block for the defense. And and I think that if they're going to make somebody the highest paid guy on the defense, it's going to be somebody that they can build around. And I just don't see that being CJ Mosley. I like him. I have one of his jerseys. Uh, My son wears his jersey as well. But for me, I just don't feel that CJ Mosley is the guy that they're going to want to give $80 million contract to. And and honestly, they overpaid Brandon Williams, too. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, I think probably gonna, would have overpaid. That. I would have overpaid Usechek before I overpaid uh, Williams. Probably not the contract that uh, Usechek got in San no. Fran, but I would have overpaid uh, Usechek to stay. Yeah, me too. Speaking of Usechek, uh, the fullback position for the past four, maybe five weeks, we have had our fullback uh, Patrick Ricard be on the uh, the inactive roster. What do you think about that, man? We're moving away from the fullback. Um, I mean, it's working. If you would have asked me if it was if it was going to work a couple weeks back, I would have said there's no chance. Um, hold on, I'm sorry. There's a baby crying in the other room. I'm sure you can probably hear it. Um, but yeah, if you would have asked me a couple weeks ago, I would have said there's no way we need a fullback, especially with the way our line works because our line wasn't getting any push. Um, you know, I, I say screw the guy, let him walk, let him go anyway because of the the racist comments thing. I mean, I understand it happened a long time ago, but you know, he's probably lost the respect of his teammates at this point. Um, I don't think he was very good. He was not very effective um, in running situations, and I mean, and you can see that just because of the numbers. You know, the numbers don't lie. That our rushing, our, we we have not been a good running football team for two years, and he has been our fullback since Uzcheck left, and he has not been good. He has uh, no worth on defense whatsoever, and they probably have him listed at that defensive position, so they don't have to pay him as much as a fullback. Um, you know, when it comes to negotiation. So, you know, I, I could take him or leave him, but I, I don't even think that he belongs here at this point. We've gone five weeks without him and put up the best rushing numbers that we've put up in since what, 2012, 2013. Yeah, no, it's 2000, not our 2014 year though. Our 2014 year rushing was pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. But if we would have done this all season, it would far exceed I what we did then. You know, you, you got to think we played 10 games of, of, below average subpar shit in the run game, you know? So we would have done what we've been doing the past five weeks. It'd be over. It's just pretty amazing how they're able to do what they're doing right now. Uh, the offense is out there just draining, milking the clock as far as the run game is concerned. They have four tight ends on the roster right now. They have four running backs on the roster right now, and I believe six wide receivers. So they're just out there running the ball right up the gut, shoving it down their throat. And then the defense is just getting three and out, uh, maybe sometimes six and out. But regardless, they're still able to stop them and then get the offense back out there to milk the clock again. It's just an amazing formula that they're able to pull forward. This was the winning formula Flacco's rookie year, too. And it needs to remain the winning formula now. And I think that they continue to win like this because the other thing that we're also seeing on the defensive side of the ball that we were struggling in is we're seeing turnovers. Um, They're starting to take the football away because they are fresh. They are aggressive and they are able to, you know, they're staying. They're just staying on their toes. So I think it's beyond the winning formula. I think that. 
I think that if they get past the Browns, which I, I I'm still not sold that they're going to do, but I think that if they get past the Browns, this team is going to be a big, big, big problem because I honestly, there's no teams in the AFC that are going to be in the playoffs to scare me right now. None. I, I definitely agree with that. I, I think that I think that this is a team right now that could roll if the Patriots stay in their number two seed. I think this is a team that could roll into Foxborough and absolutely murder them. Worse, worse than the 2011 team did to them or the, the 2010 team did. But I, I think that the Chiefs, I mean, if it's not for a blown P.I. call, we could have that's a That's a game that would have won that we would have we would have won or tied, you know, so. I, I, I'm not afraid of the chargers, especially if the chargers have to come to Baltimore. I'm not, and that's looks like would be the most likely scenario. If they get past the Browns, I'm not afraid of them at all. And we just proved we can take them out. I think it'd be tough to beat them twice, but I think putting them in Baltimore is a totally different scenario for them. And I think we might beat them worse. Um, so I don't know, but again, I'm not sold on the Browns because we wouldn't even be having any of these discussions. We might even be resting people this week. Had we beat the Browns early on. Yeah, you've you've said this three times already. You're not sold on us uh, beating the Browns. The Browns have been doing a hell of a lot since Hugh Jackson has left the team. So with Hugh gone, the uh, acting coach of the team has just been really pounding it into their heads and saying that you guys need to be a much better team. Greg Williams has just been throwing this team around and just been saying you guys need to do much better than you are. And they're listening. They're responding. It sounds like, honestly, the the owner doesn't have much of a choice. He's got to make this guy the head coach going forward. I think so. And I think it's also a shame because he's a piece of shit. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, go back to the uh, deflate gate, the the other gate, the bounty gate. Yep. The guy's a piece of shit. And we all know it. He went from not even being, you know, from being kicked out of the NFL indefinitely to being the coach of the Browns. And I think even more so this, this kitchens dude, who I don't even know who the fuck he is. This guy, <laughs> Thank man, you. He's Goodness. got, dude, he's got that offense firing on all cylinders right now. And it, it's like it, Baker Mayfield, if he is not offensive rookie of the year, it's a fucking travesty. Cause the dude is, it, we laughed when the Browns took him first. I mean, he's clearly the best quarterback out of the rookie bunch right now. He's the most ready to win immediately. And he's doing it. I mean, you, you're, we're talking about a team that wins no games who is celebrating a fucking tie is now all of a sudden a 500 football team. And they have a lot of talent, a lot of reasons to be afraid of. I, I'll go out on a limb and say that he's the best quarterback in the division next year. Even with big Ben, he's the best quarterback in the division next year. Never mind I, that for a minute. We'll talk about Mr. Bay, Mayfield and all that entirely. But for the past couple of weeks, my guests that have come on here have given me so much shit for not knowing who Freddie Kitchens is. Fuck Freddie Kitchens. I don't know who the fuck he is. I still don't know. I understand that he's the offensive coordinator right now for the uh, honestly, he was on our staff at some point. And I didn't even fucking know that. Did you know that? I had no fucking clue. Dude, his name is Freddie Kitchens. And we have Wink Martindale on our team right now. And, and I still don't know who he is. <laughs> but I, I Freddie Kitchens, I have no fucking clue. Right, exactly. So, okay, sorry. I had to get that out of my chest because I'm glad I'm not the only one who didn't know who the fuck Freddie Kitchens was. I mean, was. I, I'll, also, uh, I'll also say I don't care who he is. <laughs> so... All right. So um, Baker Mayfield, uh, my guests in the past have been very, very happy with Mr. Mayfield and how he's doing this season. And I've honestly saw what they have seen all along in college and whatnot. I honestly saw him back in college and I saw that he was a pretty good athlete. I didn't think he was uh, better than Sam Darnold. I thought Sam Darnold was going to go number one. What did you think? 
Um, I, I definitely thought Sam Darnold was a better quarterback. Um, I don't know. I, I think that it's the same thing. We, we don't get the opportunity to see what some of these scouts see. And do you, re, do you recall last year when the chiefs moved, traded away like their parents' houses to move up and take Pat Mahomes? Oh yeah. And definitely. Everybody and everybody shit all over them. I want to say they were getting like F draft grades for it and everything else. Look at, look at it now. Cause you know he was supposed mean? to be like a second rounder or maybe even a third rounder according yeah. to some of the mock and, drafts. Yeah. And you go and look at him now and you know, it's one of those things where I know they like to say it on radio shows and on ESPN. They were like, he's either the most arrogant fucking moron in the world, or he is an absolute genius. Whoever made that pick was an absolute fucking genius. And you know, it's the same thing like they keep saying about Gruden right now. Like he's either the most arrogant piece of shit on the planet or he's a fucking genius. Uh, he's probably the most arrogant piece of shit on the planet and not <laughs> genius, but you know, in that, in that move. So whoever, whoever's move it was to draft Baker Mayfield, they did the right thing because it was, it was very evident from even like watching hard knocks that the Browns, they walked into this season and we are going in, in the mode of mindset of we are going to win and we are going to do it now. And, you know, and honestly, I would really like to know what the fuck happened between Hugh Jackson and Baker Mayfield, because did you see the stare down during the game the other day? Yeah. Even before that, how about a couple they weeks ago when they last faced each other? Yeah. Yeah. I would love to know what happened there. Um, it, I don't know if it's, I don't know. From my understanding, I read a bunch of reports when they got rid of, um, when they got rid of Hugh and Haley, they said that it, that those two were creating such a toxic environment that the players didn't want to be around any of them. So it had, whatever it was, it had to have been bad and it had to have been related to that quarterback because when you see it, I mean, it's ugly, man. It's ugly. Speaking of Hugh, is he the next, is he the next coach of the Bengals? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think they're going to go out external this year. Uh, if they don't keep Marvin, I don't think, I don't think they're getting rid of Marvin Lewis, man. I, th- I think that maybe time for us to say that they may have the worst front office in the entire league. It's a it good might possibility. Be worse than the Browns. Because I'm just I'm looking at the the roster. The roster seems like it. What the hell has happened to the Bengals? Injuries, I, man. I, uh, I really. Th- I. I mean, you you watch what they did early in the season. They were they were a good football team. They said they had me a little surprised and scared at the same time. And then you go look. They start losing people, and then they their defense ends up being like one of the last in the league. Which you know that was on paper that. They were not as bad as they looked early on because they had played, you know, like the Chiefs, the Saints. The, they were playing everybody who was ridiculous. They played, uh, I think they played Tampa Bay when they were throwing like forty-two thousand yards and a hundred touchdowns a game early in the season. You know, they they played some like really prolific offenses early on, but at the same time, I mean, you can't get too far with the worst. They have the worst O line, at least in our division. I doubt they have the worst in the league, but it's possible. But they have a horrific O line. Um, their quarterback gets injured. They lost AJ Green for multiple games. They lost uh Tyler Boyd for multiple games. They had Joe Mixon out for four weeks. When you lose when you lose your stars, you just don't win. I mean there's there's few teams that can have depth to sustain losses of you know, pro bowl caliber players like that. And I think that, I think that that ultimately is what's going to save Marvin Lewis's job for another year is the fact that he's going to be like, I didn't even have my fucking quarterback. How are you going to fire me? He can also turn around and point to Hugh Jackson and be like, do you see what this motherfucker did to the Browns? Because 
uh, I don't think you want that shit here. You know, so I don't know. And then is all it, of a sudden they'll probably get some seven and nine bullshit and hire Jeff Fisher. Oh God. Is it time to move on from the quarterback? From, uh, from what quarterback from the Bengals? Yes. Andy Dalton. Um, I think it's been time to get rid of him, but the problem is, is the same thing you look at when you look at people in coaching search is just who are you going to replace him with, man? I mean, I don't think the quarterback draft looks too great for this year. I haven't, I'll admit, I haven't done a ton of research, but um, I, I know, I know that they have a good cap situation. Cause I just read an article about it the other day going into this season. Um, but their, their quarterback situation, I mean, they move on. I just, I don't really see a replacement out there because they're not, it's going to take a very, very needy team to pull the trigger on a trade for Joe Flacco. And I don't see that happening there, even though I think he would do better in their offense than he's ever done with the Ravens because of the weapons they have at tight end and wide receiver. Um, but I mean, he's honestly going to be, he may be the hottest commodity on the quarterback market this year. And we're, we're seeing how mediocrity gets paid in the NFL and the free agent market. So somebody's going to trade for him. And, you know, there's been reports saying the Ravens are going to let him pick a team of people that offer them something, which I think is a classy move for him. But for the Bengals, I mean, where are they going to go for this quarterback? Situation? What are they going to do? Nick Foles, you know, like Blake Bortles. What's that? Blake Bortles. Who knows? Eli Manning. You never know. Uh, there's going to be a couple people available this offseason. I truly think Eli is going to be available this offseason. I think that right right now, I think both of the names you mentioned are downgrades over Andy Dalton. <laughs> Five mm. years ago, I wouldn't have said that about Eli Manning, but that dude, he fucking sucks, dude. Dude, Blake Bortles <laughs> is the worst on the roster. Blake uh, Bortles is terrific. He's There's right. honestly backups that are way better than Blake Bortles, and it shows. Uh, Cody Kessler is out there being better than Blake Bortles. Dude, Josh Johnson might be better than him. I'm not shitting on Josh Johnson. I still like him, I th- even though he didn't play very well this weekend. No, he got he got beat up, too. I mean, dude, the fucking Redskins, what a disaster that is. I mean, I love every second of it, but totally. I mean, come on. You had butt fumbles starting. They had butt fumbles starting games. Mm-hmm. And like, you, you, what kind of fucking disaster are you in where you have to bring in the butt fumble? Mark Sanchez was definitely not the best choice that you could have made this offseason. And, uh, or not this offseason, this regular season as far as a replacement. But goodness, when you're down to butt fumble and Josh Johnson as your uh, starter and your backup, it's, it's time to just throw the cards in. You might as well just say, hey, you know what? We forfeit. All right. You know what? Here's a worse move than that. Look what the Raiders just did. Oh, God. Nathan Peterman. What the actual fuck happened here? I'll tell you what happened with that. I know exactly what happened with that. That was John Gruden uh, backing up, uh, doubling down on his words from a couple years ago where he said that Nathan Peterman was the most pro ready quarterback out of all. And he was like, you know what? That's good. That's my boy, too. I'm going to take him and I'm going to prove it. And he just said the other day that he thinks that one of the best quarter, better quarterback options in the league is Nathan Peterman. Apparently, John Gruden doesn't watch film or even pay attention to football at all. 
I don't even think he knows who the players on the Raiders were when he took that fucking team. And now they're talking about playing their home games in London next year. Yes, that's going to be quite a bit of an issue moving forward. I think they're honestly going to stay in Oakland for one more season. I think they're going to come to some sort of agreement, but uh, it's it's going to be rough I, I think and turmoil. They're gonna, I think they're going to try, and I think that they'll be successful at coming to an agreement as long as they keep John Gruden away from the table. It's it's really rough right now out there in, in Oakland. I, I wouldn't want to be a fan of that team right now. I'd be fucking pissed. I would be fucking pissed if I was a fan. And you know what? Their quarterback may even become available because you don't know what this wild card's going to do. Because John is running the show and he should not be both the general manager and the coach. I honestly no. think he's not a bad coach. I think he's a pretty good coach, to be honest with you. I don't think he's the general manager that he should be. I don't know that he even is a good coach. I, I just, I'm not convinced of it, man. I'm just not like I got to He's got to show me something. They got to do something because everything I'm seeing the team do right now is completely fucking disastrous, man. I do look at Amari Cooper right now. He's tearing I, it up in Dallas. The dude he's went to Dallas great. and is fucking he's completely turned the team around and let's be real here. He's making Dak better. Like he's, he's giving, he's giving them an option now. I I don't, I just, I don't understand. I didn't understand the Crabtree move when he made it. I don't understand why you'd, you would cut the best fucking punter in the entire league in Marquette King for no reason. No reason. He didn't get anything for it. He didn't gain anything. He didn't have a crazy cap and he just cut him. And Let's not forget the biggest one of all, fucking Khalil Mack. He like, bungled that situation, something serious. That was just He got horrible. rid of Khalil Mack and then the following week said that pass rushers are hard to find. And you had one sitting in your lap there, buddy. It's just, it's fucking stupid. He basically gave the Bears the playoffs, the playoffs by giving them Khalil Mack. That put them over the top. Yeah, I don't think they're going to miss those first round picks, to be honest with you, with Khalil Mack sitting there in the, uh, in the helm. No, and I thought that Amari Cooper, I laughed when Dallas gave a first rounder for him. But you know what? If they're getting this, if they're getting this kind of play out of him and he redoes his deal and they they extend him, that that first round pick was well worth it because you're not you're probably not getting a receiver of that caliber in the first round of a draft. So I got to ask, man, let's let's mm-hmm. gear back towards the Ravens for a minute. Yeah. Um, which game were you more excited for the outcome of our game or the one with the Steelers and the Saints? Oh, um, after our game, I'll say I was more excited for the Steelers and the Saints. Um, there was a moment in our game where I actually was terrified. And that was when we were up. Uh, we were only up by six uh, the, when they, they were moving down the field and we ended up getting that fumble. Um, I w- that was that's the terrifying moment that the Ravens have failed in badly over the past couple of seasons is what's kept us out of the playoffs. And it didn't happen. So. I mean, I was fucking fired up at the end of that game. And then to go the following day, I mean, I made a point to get like all my errands, all my stuff that I have to get home by four o'clock to watch the Saints Steelers game. Um, and I was a little worried in that game too, because the, I don't know what's going on with the saints, but they, they haven't looked the same in recent weeks. Um, I think it's Eli Apple, to be honest with you. I don't think that was a very good trade. And I don't think he's a starting caliber cornerback in my opinion. I don't think it's just that. I feel like they 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 need a receiver. They either need a receiver or like a really big pass catching tight end. They need something because I think that their offense, they, 
for they were so dynamic, but you know, I, I think that we always forget that defensive coordinators in this league are very dynamic too. And I think they've figured out how to shut down what they're doing a little bit more. Um, I, I still think that they're probably the most complete team in football, but I feel like you give them another big receiver. They're over the fucking top. Um, you know, honestly, I think Snead hurt him a little bit losing that. Cause they, they at least had like something else, some other possession guy that was there, but back to the topic, the fact that the Steelers lost, I could not be fucking happier. Cause fuck them. I don't care about this piece <laughs> of shit. I want them to lose every fucking game. And I don't think the Steelers are a very good team. I think that they get lucky and they get hot and get streaky in the middle of games. And in all reality, they've been like that for the past couple of years. They, they just, they're on or they're off. And I think that's a team right there that needs to get rid of their head coach. And I think that that needs to happen this year because they're, they're definitely in a mode where their window is going to close. And when their window closes, they're going to be done for a long while. And they need to start looking at some rebuild options. And I think the first step in that is getting rid of Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin has uh, definitely been the ire of Pittsburgh. He's either beloved or he's hated, depending on if they win or they lose. It's it's pretty bad. And even some of the people out in the media have been calling him out and saying that he's definitely not the rah-rah guy that they need. He's just a body. He's a warm body at this point. Let's face facts. He's stupid. He does things all of the time that are just absolute head scratchers. He does a lot of the things that there's a lot of things I get pissed off that John Harbaugh does. And I think he's trying to get cute when he does it. And you can at least when John Harbaugh is like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going for it. You can just look at him and say, this is the mentality of a guy who's trying to be aggressive. There's things that Mike Tomlin does that you look at him and you can't even find a fucking justification for why he would even think to do what he did. But and like then, being on the field in the middle of a kickoff or a kick return. I mean, let's, let's talk about a prime example of it yesterday. It was what fourth and six or fourth and seven. And they ran, they tried to run a fake punt with a fullback. Who's the slowest guy on their fucking team. And the fullback thought he got it by all the way. Ready, and you were already winning. And you're going to give the ball to arguably the best quarterback with one of the most dynamic offenses in the league with a short field that ended up scoring a touchdown that won the game. I mean, like you look at things like that and you were like, why would you even do such a stupid ass thing? Because you you look at it and you say, all right, there's a 50 50 chance we make this play. But if we don't make look at what your risk is at that point. If, if we don't get, if we don't make this first down, we're almost guaranteeing giving them a touchdown. If we just punt it, we're giving our defense a lot of field to work with. And the defense was doing a good job. Now I don't give a shit that he did it. I'm actually happy he did because fuck him too. But at the end of it all, like you could literally look at that one play and that game and say, this is why the Steelers lost this game. And that has nothing to do with the team. It has nothing to do with execution. It was a stupid decision made by a stupid coach. And I've read a lot of stuff about him having like no discipline in the locker room that the team has no respect for him. You know, look at what happened. Look at what was going on with them early in the season, man. He should have been let go. Then they were imploding over this Le'Veon Bell shit. 
They were imploding. And he's not very good with the media. Every time he comes on the media, he's got some sort of snippet that just comes out wrong. It, whatever he says is always just wrong. He just doesn't know how to handle the media. And I think it's it's coming up one time. But um, maybe the fact that they're not making the playoffs this year, maybe that's going to be the uh, catalyst to get the ball moving. For When's that. the last time they won a playoff game? <sighs> when did the challenger blow up? I think it was the eighties, man. I remember no, where I was when that happened. I don't think I was born yet, but um, yeah, it was like 87, I think. Yeah. There was definitely a little after that, but uh, yeah, that's the Steelers have been. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, there's the way that I would see it. And if I were a Steelers fan from the outside, looking in the fact that that team is not 13 and three with the talent that they have, I would be fucking livid. I would be absolutely fucking livid because let's be real, dude with uh, Juju Antonio Brown, their tight ends, every running back they have that steps on the fucking field, dude, their offense, they have weapons everywhere and do their O lines filthy too. So when you have all these things and you have a hall of fame quarterback, I mean, he's a piece of shit, but he's a hall of fame quarterback. And Juju honestly was just one less fumble away from being the hero of that game. And now he's the most reviled person in Pittsburgh right now. How hard did you laugh when they showed him sitting on the sidelines crying? Oh my God. I was just like, is he actually, there's no crying at football. Really? He was actually fucking crying. I couldn't believe it. It was just, it blew my mind that that fumble happened in the first place. But honestly, if that fumble didn't happen, even if they lost that game and it didn't, it happened because of the fumble. I think Juju Smith Schuster was the hero of that game. And now he's getting shit on by everybody, not only in Pittsburgh, but in the United States. Oh yeah. He fucked up, man. He fucked up bad, but you know what? He did great throughout the whole game though. They shouldn't have been, they shouldn't have been put in that position. He shouldn't have been put there to do that. They shouldn't have been throwing the fucking ball because they were already in fucking field goal range. Why? Like, why? I that sounds like understand. a coaching decision though, Chad. Again, I mean, they just, they are fucking stupid. How many games have we seen the Steelers lose this year from them trying to throw the ball with five wide, two seconds left with when they could have just kicked a fucking field goal. And if you don't trust your kicker that much, get rid of your kicker because that's a coaching choice too. And he looks like he's 12 years old. That guy yeah, named Chris Boswell. He, he kicks like a 12 year old too. He's fucking terrible. Yeah. He wears these, uh, these baseball caps that are just way too big for his head. My sister pointed this out to me yesterday. I'm just looking at him like, why the hell is this guy even in the NFL? I don't get it. I don't know. Fuck him. Yeah, I agree with that. But you know what? some shit's got to happen, man. They like, let's, let's hope the Bengals beat them next week just to give us a little bit of cushion because again, I'm not sold that the Ravens walk. I'm not sold. The Ravens beat the Browns next week, man. I'm really not. I mean, they beat us once this year and granted we were a different team and they were a different team at that time, but where we've both gotten better basically is what you're coming down to. That's going to be a very, very tough game. I think that is going to be, I, maybe it's just my nerves talking when I'm saying that because I've seen this too many times. I saw we saw it with the fucking Bengals last year. We saw it with the Steelers two years ago where these games where we have the ability to win and end, we we don't do it. You know, and that's let's let's Eric Weddle said earlier, these aren't the same old Ravens. Prove it, man. This is the week to prove it. And I want to see it happen. 
I worry about Miles Garrett up against any member of our offensive line, no matter where they line him up, to be honest with you. I think Miles Garrett is stronger than anybody on that team. They they're double teaming people with tight ends, though. I, I don't think that the way that they're doing this, this running game, they're pretty much max protect everything. And the thing is, that makes me a little nervous about this defense versus the Chargers defense. The Chargers have a very undersized defense and you could kind of mow them down. Um, you know, they got some big dudes on their D line and the other thing is this is a team practicing against a mobile quarterback too. And I, I don't think that Mayfield is near the athlete that Lamar is when it comes to running. But I think that Lamar is definitely Lamar is going to have his hands a little more full this week. I think than he has at all just because of that dynamic with who that defense practices against. And I think that our defense also may have that same edge, but it, when you come down talent for talent, the Ravens clearly have the better defense of the bunch, but you know, uh, I, I think the one thing that, that, that we're lacking that they're not right now is the ability to throw the ball down the field and make plays. And right now we, we, we have, we showed it last week against the chargers on Saturday night, but we, we have not consistently thrown the ball downfield and made plays to receivers that won't drop it or to accurate passes that end up putting ultimately putting points on the board. So maybe we'll see a little more of that this week. I hope they try to give Rashad Perriman a revenge game and they can just throw the ball to him and let him drop it a hundred times. But that dude's fucking rolling with them now too. So he only had two receptions yesterday for 70 some odd yards though. I mean, it was pretty impressive. They're doing one of them. One of them was thrown by Jarvis Landry. Yeah. And they're doing with him what we should have did with him in the first place, but he's actually catching the ball now. I mean, maybe they just have better gloves in Cleveland. I don't know what's going on. You could also, you can also think about two things too. Um, We've had a couple receivers with Joe Flacco that just don't work. And, you know, maybe, maybe he's not a, he's not a fit with Joe. I mean, maybe when Joe was throwing him the ball, maybe Joe throws the ball too hard. Maybe it's just something he just was not connecting with the two. I don't know. I mean, clearly I'm not in the locker room, so I don't fucking know, but I will say this a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember Paramount did have an okay year. Um, He didn't have a shitload of drops. He had like 600 receiving yards or something like that. And like three or four touchdowns. Yeah. A couple touchdowns. He was pretty good. Not not pretty good, but okay. And we, and we thought the following season he was going to break out and the following season was just fucking terrible, you know, and, and you can, you can go and say that, Oh, he didn't have Joe in the off season. He didn't have this. He didn't have that, but man, the motherfucker was terrible. So we did the right thing and letting him walk obviously. And I, I, I just wish he was getting a fresh start with somebody else because, you know, you hate to see a kid with a lot of talent and a lot of raw ability. Um, just suck. You know, you hate to see it. And he seemed like such a nice guy too when you'd see him in the media, but I just wish he was finding this uh little bit of a resurgence with another team. Yeah. He went in division, which was a little frustrating. I think he did that on purpose. I don't think the Steelers were actually offering him anything. He went to the Redskins been, first. Yeah. For a day. And then, uh, yep. Couldn't even catch the ball there. So I'm telling you, maybe they just have better gloves. They got stick them over there in Cleveland. I think that's the case. Yeah. Maybe. But Perriman is having a resurgence. He's uh, the deep down threat. He's finally becoming Tory Smith at the best. It's what it seems. Yeah, like. I think that I mean, I think coming out of the draft, we all kind of thought that's what he was going to be anyway. We thought that he would be a, he would be Tory Smith who could run better routes because his route running looked really good. Like he'd run these crisp routes. He was physical on the line of scrimmage like he could blow you off of him. But just can't fucking catch, which is kind of like the number one part of your job. 
And when you can't catch as a wide receiver, you're not exactly going to be converted to running back. You're going to be sent to the bench or you're going to be sent off the team. And we made that apparent in the offseason. When you can't catch as a Baltimore Raven, you're a Baltimore Raven. <laughs> you play Raven football. That, that's playing like a Raven. Yep. That's fucked up. <laughs> All right, man. Let's uh let's let's get back on track here. Let's let's talk about some other stuff. Uh Ravens related. So tell me, man, you've been a Ravens fan all your life. What is your uh, what's your earliest memory of the Baltimore Ravens? So um, I remember watching the first draft um, that we did and hearing about it and learning about the players. Um, my I think my first memory is when they when they had first announced that we were getting a team because we went through all that bullshit with the CFL. And I remember really, really thinking that we were going to get a team during the expansion and not getting one and being like uber upset about it um is i went to jacksonville and um it was in jacksonville and carolina and uh you know it was a couple years later that we we get the team and when we got the ravens i remember all of like because this was like 96 it may have been 95 when they announced they were coming or was it 96 96 was the inaugural year i think it was some point 95 95 when they announced it yeah yeah so I remember, um, you know, I was, I was probably, I was 14, but I remember like every fucking radio and news station was having all kinds of crazy contests. So like name the team. Do you remember any of this? I remember the cutout in the sun where you can vote on the team. That's I vote on the team. Yeah. And then it turned into like voting. And I remember that being like awesome. And, and I remember just the atmosphere. People were so fucking pumped that we were getting a team. And I don't know the sales out of the poor CFL team. My God, they were going on to win the gray cup and they had nobody there to celebrate with them. I felt so bad for that team. Yeah. But you know what? Who gives a shit about Canadian football? (laughs) But you know, in all reality, we did. I mean, like, I think we proved that we wanted a team, like how badly we wanted a team by how well we supported a fucking Canadian football team here that also showed how much people in this region hated the fucking Redskins. And all the stuff that was going down with them when they got their stadium and they, them trying to prevent us from getting a football team, you know, it soured that whole thing. But I mean, I think that those are my best memories of when the team first came was, was all of like the hype surrounding it when they were going to come. And then, you know, they put, they played at Memorial stadium, which is cool. And, you know, the CFL played there too, which is cool because I have, you know, a lot of memories of that stadium when the Orioles played there from, you know, my first baseball games I ever went to. So, and that was cool. And just like, just, I I just remember the atmosphere and, and how everything, how everything felt. And then, you know, they weren't good. (laughs) So um, it still didn't matter because we, we had something that was going to be ours. I remember being in third grade when it happened. And I remember the draft that you're talking about in particular, because I remember that we took Jonathan Ogden and how pissed off people were that Lawrence Phillips was still on the board. We didn't yes. take him. Yep. <laughs> and, and what happened to him? Uh, he ended up uh, killing himself in jail. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was a good move. Oh, come on, man. Ah, that's brutal. But, no, uh, it's good. I'm sorry about the draft pick being a good move. Not him oh, killing. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. That's yeah, that, that's better. Um, yeah, J.O. ended up being a uh, not just a pro bowler, not just an all pro, but a Hall of Famer fame. and a Super Bowl winner. So hey, uh, man, our number one and number two draft picks are Hall of Famers. It's the truth. It's and uh, he was number 26, Mr. Ray Lewis, linebacker out of Miami, Florida. And you know what? I remember people shitting on that pick. 
when we took him because they were like talking about he's too small, yeah, oversized. Yeah, all kinds of shit. Look, look at that best linebacker to ever play a game. He was he was a linebacker coming out of the Big East. I mean, they, you can't get much better at the time than being Ray Lewis. And that just blew my mind. And we didn't even have a jersey for the guys when they were drafted, by the way. I don't yeah. know if you noticed that they got a sweatshirt. Yep. And I, I, I loved hearing them talk about, um, you know, Ray Lewis has talked about it a bunch about how him and John, when they were like coming to the facility for the first time, they didn't even have a fucking, they didn't have anything yet. He was like, we didn't have jerseys. We didn't have, we didn't have shit. And we were all talking about what it was going to look like when we finally got our stuff. I just, I just think it's pretty cool because not, not a lot of people get to experience like the birth of a new NFL team. It's it was pretty awesome at the time. I remember the first uh, place to break it was 98 Rock. I remember we were actually listening to the radio during class one day and we heard it and the place just went ape shit. It was. Oh, yeah. It was third grade classroom for me. And it was just like, oh, my God, we're actually getting a football team because my parents had convinced me that we were never, ever going to get another football team. You know what? Not only had people convinced me of that, I firmly fucking believed it, because when we when we didn't get a team during that expansion, to me, I was convinced we are. No, it is just not going to happen. It's not in the cards. Where were you when they announced it? Um, I don't think I, I heard about it secondhand um, because I was in school. So um, I remember, I think like a teacher told us, believe it or not, was like, oh, we're getting a football team. And it was like towards the end of the day. And everybody's like, huh? You know, so it was I, I don't have any cool story about that, unfortunately. Yeah, mine was slightly cooler. We were listening to the radio when it broke story, but uh that's that's about it. Um so all things being equal, man, would you rather the Colts had stayed or the Ravens had came here? Fuck the Colts. <laughs> yeah, I probably uh, I'll stick with the success of the Ravens as compared to Colts. I mean it would be great to have Peyton Manning here, don't get me wrong, but uh I would much rather stick with the success that we've had with the Baltimore Ravens. Come on, if the Colts would have stayed here, we would have drafted Ryan Leaf and you know it. Ooh, ooh, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, I, I be, I'm going to keep telling myself that. All right. But I'll take I'll take a John Ogden, Ray Lewis draft over Peyton Manning any day of the week. They got us who we are. They got us our attitude. And that's what I love about this team. I concur with that. We uh, definitely ended up getting the better end of the stick as far as the Super Bowls are concerned. I mean, uh, they attended just as many Super Bowls, but they didn't win as many Super Bowls as us in the amount of time that we've been alive. Yep. What is your favorite memory as a Ravens fan? um, I have two. They're my favorite ones. All right. And uh, one of them is probably kind of stupid. It's also against the Chargers. I just loved it is when I'm going to go. I'm going to say three of them, to be honest with you. Can I take Um, a guess on yours first? Yeah. Is it when Ray Lewis shot the gap? Yes. It hit Darren Sproles. Yes. I love that. You have a picture of that matter of fact, don't you? Yeah. And I, yeah, I actually have a picture of that, uh, like a painting of it, but I think that that is like, that's my, one of my favorite plays of all time, just because it was like, it was so defining. It was so, it was so Ray Lewis, you know what I mean? And it, it just, it was exactly who he was. It was exactly what was, should have happened. And it took everybody on that Chargers team by surprise and no Ravens fans by surprise, like watching the game, we just knew it was going to happen, but it was just like, 
ended the game with Ray Lewis completely fucking smashing somebody. It was just, it was perfect. And then my second is obviously fucking mile high miracle, man. I mean, that's that really, that was unbelievable. That's the best football game I've ever seen in my lifetime to this day. You know, we saw two overtimes in a playoff game. I knew that was a game where I had a feeling the entire time that we were not losing that game. And, you know, we were, it, it was very much, that was very much a Ravens game. We were in there we were giant underdogs. We were not going to lose that game. Flacco played out of his fucking mind in that, you know, Jacoby Jones catches the most unlikely hail Mary on earth. And, you know, there it is. And we finally got the Peyton Manning thorn out of our side in that game. And we did it in a serious way. And as the second that happened, Every person I talked to, the second that happened, you just knew right away the Ravens were winning the Super Bowl that year. You knew it. And they still had to go to New England. And we didn't give we don't give a shit about New England. We didn't care at all. But we knew we were winning the Super Bowl. So it was it was amazing. When some guy named Corey Graham gets two picks off of Peyton Manning, Peyton goddamn Manning, that was yeah. that was just beautiful. The first one was a pick six, and it was early in the first quarter. And then just just to finish the game out on Brandon Stokely getting a pick off of him, it was. I remember just sitting there on the edge of my my ass was eating a hole in the chair that day. It was puckered up so much. <laughs> I know it was just unbelievable. And in my third memory, this one you probably won't. A lot of people probably won't remember, but. I think, and this goes on through several games, the shit that used to go on between our defense and Chad Johnson from the Bengals. And, you know, he used to like send burn cream to him and like do all this goofball shit. He was such a douchebag. He he was fucking hilarious, dude. That Hall of Fame jacket. But the game where he tried to hit Ray Lewis. I just was like one of the funniest things in the world to me because he ran as hard as he could at Ray Lewis and just got blown the fuck up. And Ray was just standing there. And, uh, and it's funny because like, I've seen replays of it and I've seen them talk about it on NFL network a bunch of times. And, uh, and like right after it happened, um, there's a, one of those sounds of the game clips where Chad Johnson runs off the field right afterwards. And the first thing the coach says to him was like, man, you got to stop fucking with these big guys. <laughs> just, I just thought it was hilarious. And it's just like a cool memory of something because you know, at the end of the day, it's a game and it was good to see like players still having fun with shit too. I'm still convinced that if Chad had another two years in the league, he would have been in the hall of fame. I don't think he's going to end up being in the hall of fame though. Unfortunately, I don't think he's going to get in there either. And I think that's sad because that the dude was a fucking stud. I think that it, uh, sending him to New England was the downfall for him. And even then, he didn't do too bad with them. But um, he just wasn't that electric that he was in Bengals territory. Yeah, it was just. I, yeah, he he just did. I don't I don't know. I don't think he got the credit he deserved. And he had all that crazy shit going on where he like. He like did he like slap a lawyer on the ass or something in court in, in court because of he the situation with his wife where uh, or his girlfriend at the time he had some sort of uh, uh, domestic violence which got him cut from Miami Dolphins that was the yeah. end of his NFL career. Yeah, he had a lot of crazy ass shit going on. I don't know what was going on in his life at that time, but I don't know. It's unfortunate to see because the dude, I think that he was one of the people, one of the few people that like made, he was one of the few players that made it fun to watch because the dude, not only was he very, very good, uh, was man, he used to eat us up, but like he was a beast and he was also funny as shit. I remember the one time he was like standing on the field trying to bribe the, like trying to give the referee a dollar. 
<laughs> and they fined him like fucking 10 grand for it. It was like, he was like the guy who was like, I don't give a shit. I'm just having fun with this. I tell and we what, still if, see a few guys that do that now, but it's few and far between. If there was ever a guy that I wanted to actually hang out at the bar with just to hang out with and just to get a couple drinks with, it would probably be Chad Johnson. Yeah. He seemed pretty fucking funny. He seemed like he was a cool dude. But he burned us up quite a bit, and I get the whole burn ointment thing. That was pretty fucking funny, pretty ridiculous. Oh yeah, care packages. Come on. Yeah, yeah I uh, I agree with you on the uh, the Denver Broncos game, the Mile High Miracle. That was probably my favorite memory. But uh, I've got a close second myself, and I don't know why. It's just it's very stuck in my head. But um, the 2011 season, if you remember where we went up to uh, to New England and, and lost in the championship game because of the uh, yeah. field goal and whatnot. That was but, the um, best Ravens team ever fielded. I think that honestly was, but my favorite memory was definitely not that game, but it was where we were facing the Steelers in Sunday night football, where we were trying to complete the sweep because in the first game, we had just beat that ass so badly, but it was, was such that, a back and forth in the Sunday night yeah. football. I was just so impressed with how the Ravens came out and played both on offense and on defense. And it was just amazing to watch them go out there and Torrey Smith get the final catch in the touchdown. Yeah, they did it the twice. They did the same play twice. He dropped it the first time and they did it again. He caught it. Yes, that was uh, that was quite one hell of a game. I remember uh, Ray Rice took off right out of the uh, backfield and scored a touchdown, but I got called back and we ended up getting a field goal or something out of that. But um, it was it was a game to watch. I remember being on the edge of my seat because we wanted that sweep so fucking bad. Yes. Well, we I think the year before we lost the Steelers three times. Yes, and we lost to them in the uh in the playoffs. Yeah, it was, we it was lost really them twice and then lost to them in the championship game in two thousand ten. I think we won was one it, of the games divi- from twenty ten. Or was but, it uh, divisional was a divisional round? Yeah. I don't know. They've beaten us three times twice in the Harbaugh Flacco Flacco era. Uh you know, we lost them in the playoffs twice and got swept in the regular season and it's miserable when it happens but you know what in all reality here like i've got a lot of negative things to say about joe flacco right now i've got a lot of negative things i can always say about john harbaugh but uh the harbaugh flacco era has definitely been the best era in ravens history in my opinion um you know we got to see a little bit of still having some of the best players that we've ever had here with with flacco and harbaugh uh we've had the most playoff success we won a lot of fucking football games it's a team that overachieved and never really had a ton of talent. I mean, we, we won another Super Bowl with them. And, you know, it's coming to a close now, and rightfully so, especially on the Flacco side. Um, so tell me what you think about Harbaugh and possibly getting an extension beyond this point. I don't know, man. I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. Um, you know, Harbaugh, you you know, and a lot of people know, I'm pretty vocal with my dislike of John Harbaugh. Um, you know, I do give credit where it's due, obviously. And I think the job that the coaching staff has done right now with Lamar Jackson is fucking phenomenal. I mean, we're looking at we're looking at they literally installed a new offense over the bye week and have and are five and one. You know, and I think that that's pretty that that speaks volumes about the coaching staff, because that's not just the players. That is definitely everybody putting in work to do it. And another thing about John Harbaugh that I do like is that, you know, when we watched Billick get fired, they extended him that season and he got fired anyway. Um, you know, the team gave up on him. They they didn't give a shit. You know, they were going to do what they were going to do. They wanted him gone. The team is not giving up on John Harbaugh. They're playing their asses off. And, you know, in hindsight, you can go back and look and say that John Harbaugh has always overachieved. Um, 
I don't think they've ever really given him talent. I don't know how far of a, how much of a role he has played in our drafts, but our drafts have been piss poor for the past five years now. Um, you know, since honestly, really since we drafted Flacco and Rice, it, they've not been great. So he's never really had a lot to work with. And the fact that he's won the amount of games that he has is pretty impressive. Now on the negative side, I think he makes very bad decisions. I think he's, he's way too loyal to his staff and his staff sucks. Um, you know, he brings in a lot of really, really shitty people and he's got a history of doing it. Uh, um, lovable losers. As you like to say, what's that lovable losers, proven, proven, losers. proven losers. He's, he's always surrounded himself with losers and, you know, he's not a football guy. And, you know, when you're not a football guy, when you're not, you know, an offense or a defense guy, he's a special teams dude. And I get that his coaching style is to get his staff and let his staff do their job. The problem is, is when you're letting their staff do their job to the detriment of the team, it's a problem. And there's been numerous times where, you know, there's been situations where you've said, all right, there's one game that comes to mind, the Browns game that comes to mind this year that we lost we were averaging eight yards per carry on the run and just completely stopped running the fucking ball for no reason whatsoever. The fact that he let that happen, Flacco threw the ball like 58 times in that game. The the fact that he let that happen is disgusting to me. And then, you know, we had a, a couple years ago where he kept going for it on fourth down. Do you remember this? Yep. He kept going for it on fourth down over and over and over again. And it was never successful. And each is sometimes he throws really bad challenge flags that typically they, they almost always bite us in the ass and we almost always lose over it. He doesn't know how to use his timeouts. And uh, we saw, we saw uh, like his clock management skills are just piss poor. And if they're poor and you're do it, you have somebody that they're good, let them fucking handle it. You can let somebody else handle the clock for you. And, you know, we have one of the biggest staffs coaching staffs in the league and you know, it's his job to head that up. And I think that they allow that because of the fact that he he's a good enough guy to where the players really like and respect him. They like his message. And you know what? If he wants to let his people do their job, he also needs to hold them accountable when they suck at it. And dude, like the Mark Tressman season was fucking unacceptable. You know, he kept Cam Cameron for way too fucking long. The whole debacle when he when we ended up uh, having ownership step in and fire and hire Gary Kubiak when he was trying to give it to the fucking wide receivers coach, you know, like he, there's just a lot of decisions on that end of things that I really don't like that he does. Um, so, I mean, if they're going to keep him and we're going to see this style of offense and maybe they're making a commitment to get him talent. Um, you know, I, I do think that I still believe that, uh, that we're, that we're seeing the last of Marty, no matter what happens. I don't think he's going to be here next year. I think that there's a strong possibility that, uh, Greg Roman ends up our offensive coordinator, or they bring somebody else in to work with Lamar. Um, but I think that Greg Roman is the reason that Lamar is so successful right now. And Greg Roman is known for the uh, style of running and that style of offense that uh, has been very prevalent this season. I mean, he was the guy who installed the offense for Colin Kaepernick, for uh, Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo, even. So he's known for this uh, read option, the RPO and whatnot. Yeah. And and I, I think that he was a little before his time with it, too, because we still had a lot of defenses back in like, you know, 2012 when Kaepernick made a Super Bowl run, we had a lot of defenses that were still built to stop the run. And, you know, a lot has changed over the past, the course of the past six years in the NFL. And one thing that we've seen change a lot is defenses are not built to stop these power running teams. Um, 
So I think something like the RPO is going to give teams a little bit more trouble for a little bit longer than what people expect. You know, I'm tired of hearing people say about Lamar, like, oh, he can't throw the ball. He's not going anywhere. He's getting injured. He's not going anywhere. You know what? Shut the fuck up. He's five and one and nobody can fucking stop him. And, you know, that being said, we're going to keep seeing the NFL shift and what they're doing right now. They're building defenses smaller and faster to be able to stop the pass because pretty much quarterbacks aren't winning games right now. If they're not throwing 500 yards and five touchdowns and they're building defenses to stop that. And I think that that's only to the advantage of teams that have this like power running thing and run the RPO really well. I mean, look what Seattle is doing right now. They're doing the exact same thing and Seattle's vicious. They're a team. Nobody they just beat the chiefs last night. You know, they're a team that nobody wants to see at the moment. And they're, they're doing exactly what the Ravens are doing right now. They came back to it and they're just power running the fucking ball and they're making people play their game. And the, and the truth of the matter is when you get brought down into play that game, most of these teams aren't built to play it anymore. And so I think that it's going to take some time before they figure out how to stop Lamar. And hopefully uh, we're in a position to where we've improved him and he's, he's improved. We're like he shows little steps every game, but hopefully he's improved at that point to where he can become uh, more than a, I don't think he's one dimensional, but for lack of a better word, more than a one dimensional quarterback. And I think I think that Harbaugh overseeing it, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. Do you think he's developing as far as his pass uh, is concerned, as far as Lamar Jackson right now? I don't know. I, I feel like in the in the Chargers game, um, he threw a couple really nice passes that were dropped, like just flat out dropped. Three of which to Crabtree. Uh, there was one that John Brown dropped that was a really good pass to him over the middle. Um, I think that his passes over the middle are really nice, uh, especially like the intermediates, short and intermediate stuff. The long ball, like, there's clearly an accuracy problem. Like, I'm not just saying like he's got an accuracy issue, like it's a problem. Um, but I think that as more people start having to bring defenders up front to stop this running game, I think that that's going to improve organically because there's no quarterback in the NFL is not going to hit or hit somebody down the field with nobody over top of them. Um, so eventually I think that's going to be a thing. I think in that chargers game though, one of my issues, I think Marty Morningwig tried to start getting cute with his play calling um, in the like the third quarter, and they put a stop. And you could tell somebody put a stop to it because it stopped. And I think that part of part of what's happening now is I think that Lamar is keeping Marty in check because Marty's a fucking disaster, man. He is not. He's he is not good. He should not be a part of this team. He should have never been a part of this team. Gotta um, save him from himself sometimes, you know. Yeah, and I think that I think that with Lamar there, he can't do what he was doing with Joe Flacco. I guarantee you, if if Lamar were to went down in that game and Joe came in, he would throw the ball forty times. Even if he came in for ten minutes, he'd throw the ball forty fucking times because that's how Marty calls plays. You know, and it and he would he does it no matter what. And it, it's and none of them are big bombs. None of them are good passes. I, we, we were talking about a Joe Flacco who was leading the league in pass attempts, but the last in the league with yards yards per catch. It's the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. So you're throwing 302 yard passes a game. You know, it made zero sense whatsoever. I mean, a guy would throw the ball 58 times and finish with 211 yards. It's a concept we call here in Baltimore, Marty ball. It's, yep. it's all there is to it. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it end. And I, I have a strong suspicion that uh, I have a strong suspicion that Marty is not, does not return to this team next year. And you think Greg Roman will get the elevation at this point, obviously? 
I mean, I think it's a good move. Um, I, I'm a little afraid that some of the staff's going to get cherry picked as per usual, though. I'm afraid that uh, I'm I'm a little concerned that even uh, Martindale might go. Um, like somebody might be looking at him for a head coach. Um, I'm a little concerned that I mean, who knows? We might get lucky and somebody might want fucking Marty as their head coach, or you know, so we it might get be him the out first of there. time. I mean, remember what happened with Jim Caldwell? Yep, and he was he was terrible too. So maybe maybe Marty goes on his own and we just get Greg Roman by default, which would be great. I think, and I, I think that they're going to have to get a new quarterback coach to work with Lamar, um, somebody with a little bit better understanding of of who he is and his strength, and maybe a younger guy that could really help uh, put all the pieces together for him. Because I, I really believe that the kid can improve. I think every all of his problems are coachable, and again, he's a, he's a winner, and that's what we need here. He he wins. He makes the entire team better, and anybody that's against them at this point they're clearly not paying attention and they're not looking at any of this with any kind of an open mind so rg3 obviously we want to bring him back as the backup for next year but who else will we have as far as a quarterback is concerned because at this point i think we need three quarterbacks on this roster moving forward i don't know maybe we draft somebody late maybe we keep uh we can't keep that one dude uh who's the fucking guy that every year everybody loves in preseason, and then we caught him and put him on the practice squad. Oh yeah, I can't remember Woodrum. Woodrum, yeah, it's not going to be him because he's like Joe Flacco. Then Josh Johnson, maybe I don't know. They're going to have to get somebody who can run, and they they, they have to, if they're going to get a third quarterback, it has to be somebody who can run this this type of offense. It cannot be. I mean, I'm I'm honestly I think it's a little bizarre that they have Joe Flacco as the backup right now and not RG three. I, I think it's a little bit that. strange. I mean, um, but. <laughs> I think if they end up having to bring Joe Flacco into a game, it's either, it's game manager shit. It's run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, pass it when you need to type stuff. I think it's all they're going to do. Joe, at this point, I will put him in bubble wrap, sit him on the sidelines and make sure that he does not get hurt so that we can get the best possible trade scenario for him. If he's even tradable. You, you mark my words. If they're beating the shit out of the Browns, they will put Joe Flacco in that game and they will let Joe Flacco play the best game of his fucking life. Mark my words. These are some big ifs you're talking here, though. I know, but I'm telling you that if the opportunity arises where they're winning by enough to where they're comfortable, they will put Lamar Jackson on the bench to get him rested up and keep him safe. And Joe Flacco will be a crash test dummy and throw be the best game of his fucking life. He will go crazy. He will throw a shitload of touchdowns. He will look very, very good, and he will increase our chances of getting something for him. What and I, I won't put it past. I wouldn't put it past them doing it in the playoffs either. I think he goes to Tampa Bay. You know, a lot of people think that. I think he goes to Denver. That's just my. I feel like that's the sleeper of all of them. I, I read an article saying the Redskins. I, I just don't foresee that happening. I think uh, Alex is going to be ready by the time the regular season comes around. Hopefully, I, that was a horrible. I, I still haven't even seen the actual footage no, of it, but nasty. I don't want to. It's nasty. I just feel like the Kubiak connection is what would put him in, in Denver. And I really don't see a whole lot of suitors for him though. You know, uh, maybe, maybe if the giants get rid of Eli and I could see him maybe going there, um, maybe the Jaguars, but we're talking about a guy that we're talking about a team is going to have to have some cap room because he's either going to be a one year rental where he's getting paid like, $20 $20 million to go there or somebody's going to have to pay him for like three or four years. And he's not going to, he's not coming cheap. And the guy's a super bowl MVP. He's not coming cheap. Gonna agree with that. 
So, and maybe, maybe even giving up a draft pick for him too. I, I, I believe that the Ravens are going to get a draft pick for him because the second he hits the open market, it's going to be ridiculous. I think honestly, we can get a second or a third rounder for him. That's just my thoughts. I was originally thinking that somebody might be desperate enough to give us a second. Um, and you know what, if it's even more crazy, somebody might even give us a first. But I, I don't see that. I think if we could get that second round pick back that we gave up for Lamar, it would be awesome. And I'm willing to bet that's probably what their aim is. But I, I think realistically, they're going to get a third or a fourth rounder for him because everybody knows he's getting released. And they're going to and they're going to do him a solid too. if some fucking trash bag team that he doesn't want to go to offers him something good. They're going to decline the trade. This is normally where I would say if the Browns were to offer it. But now I can't even make that joke anymore. No, I don't. I don't see that happening. I think the Browns are they're set. Buffalo, Obviously, maybe it's, it's Buffalo not even needs a, joke a quarterback. Buffalo, Buffalo doesn't need a quarterback. They got Josh Allen. Yeah, but he's not. He's not very good right now. He's running more than Lamar is. Believe it or not, it might be good. It might be good to send his ass out to Arizona and let fucking uh, what's his Rosen sit behind him for a year or two. Might be. They're very similar quarterbacks. Uh, Oakland might need a guy. <laughs> Thinking about that, know. he needs his Rich Gannon, his guy with experience. Isn't uh, Derek Carr's contract disgusting though? Uh, was hold that thought. Let's see. Here. I think it's like a hundred and twenty million dollars or something. Derek Carr spot track. Yes. This is riveting podcast work right here. Um, <laughs> let's see here. If he were to be cut next season, his dead cap would oh well, his dead cap would only be seven million five hundred, but his cap is twenty two million five hundred. He's gone. So. He is gone. Do you know who's going to be a starting quarterback for the Raiders next year? Who's that? Peterman. Oh God, dude, they're not so, keeping him. There's no way they're keeping him, dude. They cut fucking Khalil Mack. Now they traded Khalil Mack. They're not keeping Derek Carr for that kind of money, and they're definitely not moving towards Flacco. He's even more of a hit. No, not necessarily because we would absorb a lot of that hit, especially in the bonus money. He would they would just have to pay his regular salary. Let's take. I a thought that his regular salary on a trade was sixteen million dollars, and then we are absorbing like six or something like that, six in bonuses that are dead. If we and I and I think it might even be it might even be more than six, but it would be like six the first season with a June post June first designation. It looks like all that the Raiders would have to pay if they traded for him would be ten million dollars, ten point five million dollars. Oh, so might might give us a second rounder for that. And we're absorbing how much? Six or eight? We're absorbing sixteen. Who? So man, I just said the opposite. Yeah, so um, we would see we're taking that we're taking that sixteen million dollar hit. I don't give a fuck. We're take they're going to take it. Yeah, we're uh, we would save ten point five. They would pay the ten point five, and uh, we would be stuck with the sixteen million dollar cap hit. If we held on to them for another year, the dead cap money would only be eight million. So if we save if we save the ten point five, does it negate ten point five million of the sixteen? No, we're assuming that. So we're, we're saying we're saying it's a twenty six million dollar hit if yes. he stays. 
Correct. So I, I, that's the number I knew of was 26 million. So we are not absorbing $26 million period. That's not going to happen. And $16 million is well worth it to take dead money. And they can break that down to 8 million per year if they do a uh, post June 1st. Correct. Cause you could split it between two years. Correct. And uh, you know what happens with that number 16, Chad? Levels of awareness. Yes. That's a great thing to have. People are not going to understand that outside of this podcast. Yeah. But uh, all right, man, but I'm going to have to wrap this up because I got to get some things done for uh, the family. And man, uh, I got to get things going over here, too. Got I still haven't done my gift wrapping yet. Yeah, have fun with that shit. That's what I got a wife for. <laughs> I need to get me one of those. All right, bud. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, man. Look pleasure as to- always. And uh, hopefully we're going to, we, we need to get back together. And uh, after this Browns game and maybe do a uh, little playoff special, talk Dude, some shit I- about everybody. I think we need to go to the game. Yeah, I think we're going to try that. Yeah. I think we are going to try that. All right, so, dude, stay safe out there. Myself. So, yeah, you do the same, brother, and I will catch up with you soon. That was at Chef Chad Wells. What a great guy he is, and I'm very happy that he came back to the podcast and did a little bit of time with me so that we could talk Baltimore Ravens. So if everything goes according to plan, I actually have a plan later on this week to get a, a Cleveland Browns fan to come on the air and talk a little bit of shit with me so that we can do a little preview of this Sunday's matchup of the uh, 425 game, which is the Baltimore Ravens versus the Cleveland Browns. The Baltimore Ravens have a shot at getting that playoff spot clinched away and the division clinched away. All they need to do is win. So until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to the FAFT. My name is CJ, and I appreciate all of you. Happy holidays.